0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. We love everybody over at HypeBot. Bruce, thumbs up. Everything you do to support us is awesome. Um, Jay, we have a special guest joining
1: us. We do. I am thrilled with our guest this week. We have best-selling author, marketing consultant, speaker, blogger, All-around good guy. We've got Seth Godin on
2: the uh, on the show this week. Uh, Seth, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, I gotta tell you, I'm a huge fan, and I, unlike you, I'm not a consultant. I've never been a consultant one day, and maybe if I get good at this, I'll be able to (laughs) consult. But so far, I just make a ruckus. Yeah, but but
0: but you're you're actually a published author, and when I say published. A real book of paper, not an ebook that you give away for a download. I mean, that's a real author.
1: He's done both. Well, yeah. true,
0: true. Yeah. Nothing to take away from ebooks, but you know, you. you know, everybody can slap together a Microsoft Word document and throw it out there as an ebook. To actually publish something in paper and get a publisher behind it.
2: Yeah, those uh, were the days. Those were, were the right. days. I, I read your I did, blog. I just, I published more than 120 books, so it, it's wow. been a, a long, mm-hmm. strange trip. Very prolific. Um, I I read your blog
1: religiously, and what strikes me about it, you know, for marketing, is it doesn't have to be consumer goods. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have. It's not about that. It's you know, it so transcends that. I don't know how you do it, but I'll read your blog and. I get these kind of epiphanies or these little light bulb moments about um, reaching an audience and kind of rising above the clutter. Um, and you've worked in the music space uh, a bit in the past,
2: right? Yeah, mostly as a, uh, an avid hobbyist. I used to have a, a record label called Zoom Tone Records. And um, I've been lucky enough to know and, and commiserate with musicians. But I, I think it's hard to call me a professional in any sense of the word. Do you help any musicians when it comes to marketing or artists? Well, one of the uh, stories, my wife befriended uh, a woman who made records for kids. And um, I was talking to her and I said, well, how many records do you have? She had six titles. And I said, well, when a two-year-old or a three-year-old gets a, a record, how many times does it get listened to a CD? And the answer is like a thousand. So what I came up with for her was every time someone orders one, send them two. Because the second one isn't gonna do the owner any good, so they're gonna give it to someone they know.
0: Give it another mom, And if you
2: can get another mom to have one, well then to save her own sanity, she's gonna have to buy a second title, because you just can't listen to the same song 3,000 times. And it ended up being a transformative moment in her career because it gave people a tool. This is you know pre-Napster, but it gave people a tool to talk about the music, to say, oh, you have a two-year-old? Because everyone who has a two-year-old knows people with two-year-olds. And so the whole thing starts to spread. And that can work on the other side, too.
1: We've done that with new developing artists where we had a a digipack that was perforated. And when you bought it, you got two copies, and you could tear it in half and give it to a friend. Right, to a friend. there's no better recommendation engine than your friends. Exactly.
2: And then another thing that we did, the, so I had three acts on my label. The idea behind the label was, was SACD only back when there were only five DSD recorders in the United States. So the Rolling Stones were coming out with super SACDs, but no one else could, cause there was no recorder. So I got one from England. It was only 3000 bucks. So I said, wow, I have something no one else has. How can I record these musicians? And, One of the people I recorded, their marketing strategy, they lived in a van, and the two of them would drive to a new town and get whatever gig they could, which is by any measure the bottom of the ladder. And after they played that gig, they would drive to a new town and do it over. Guys, stay in the same town. (laughs) Work your way up the ladder, because there are better gigs than this one. And what they were doing was running around and hiding, thinking that they were staying busy, but actually what they were doing was keeping themselves from the people they could actually build a relationship with.
0: It sounds like it's the, it's the old analogy of, you know, become the big fish in your small pond
2: That's first,
0: right. and then once you've hit that top, then you can move to the next pond and keep growing.
2: That's right. And almost, you know, there, there's the exceptions that prove the rule, right? The Taylor Swift's that just magically become sure. the next thing. And those are the most destructive examples. Because for every Taylor Swift, there's a thousand successful working musicians, a thousand who right. built it just the way you're talking about, one pond that's right.
0: Stop Yeah, stop thinking that, you know, the old VH1 behind the music series, that that is going yeah. to be your career. You're, go- exactly. you're going to be the one that's going to have that. It's like, no, you're not. You know, if that happens, get down on your knees and thank somebody for it. But yeah. the reality is that's not. You're going to have to... Well, what's the old saying? and overnight success took 10 years. <laughs> right? That's
2: right. I mean, my TED Talk was my... 200th talk, not my first one. I gave the first 100 talks for free before I got paid to give one. My first New York Times bestseller was the 100th book that I had been involved in. I mean, that's the way it works all the time. My brother has this great saying, uh, because he's a graphic designer and he
1: charges a lot of money for his work. And sometimes people will say, how do you you get off charging that much for an hour of work? And he goes, it took me 20 years how to learn to do that in an hour. And it's the same kind of thing, right? I think as music marketers, Michael and I are always challenging ourselves to rise above the clutter, to do something different, that, you know, the Seth Godin, purple cow kind of mentality, right? And When I watched, there was, I think it was called, it was a TED Talk, the How to Get Your Ideas to Spread. Right. I've shared that with so many musicians, and maybe you didn't intend it to be that way, but if you watch it with the glasses on of a music marketer, everything makes sense, you know? And it it speaks to kind of what you're talking about now. How do you get noticed? How do you rise above the clutter? How do you be the big fish in the
2: small pond? That sort of thing. Well, so... You know, the thing about music marketers is most of the ones who get a lot of credit are also the people who have marketed a lot of music. And the reason they get a lot of credit is because they had 10 giant hits that would have been hits even if, you know, Mickey Mouse had marketed them. Because the most important thing in marketing music is to have great music to market. Right. And that the driver of music marketing is a simple rule And the rule is first 10. And what I mean by first 10 is that everyone knows 10 people. Everyone has 10 people they can foist a song onto. Well, if you tell 10 people and they don't tell anybody else, you need better music. But if you tell 10 people and they tell other people, now you're on your way. It's in that setting that a music marketer can amplify what you're doing. But the fact is, first, you've got to have something that... Gets people to bring their friends back to the show tomorrow. If you don't have that, make better music.
0: one, one, one of the um, one of my attitudes about music marketing has been, and and this is something I feel like a lot of bands don't do and musicians don't do is stop looking at what's happening in the music marketing sphere because we're just a, we're just a small aspect of marketing. What works in music sure. marketing, and really what you need to do is go look at what's being done marketing for books, for movies, for cars, for clothing, for everything else, and find something that makes you go, wow, that actually got my attention. And how can you take that and bring it back into the music world and go, okay, now I'm going to use that technique here. Because uh, let's be honest, in the music marketing world, I I feel like the same thing gets beaten to death over and over and over and to think outside of the box you actually have to leave the mark the music world to go outside of the box
2: yeah so here's something that's worth noting a lot of people who choose to make music would like to say that marketing doesn't work on them that marketing is for other people but they they buy the right thing and so when you ask that person well what kind of toothpaste did you use this morning they're not going to tell you they bought some generic Chinese toothpaste. They're going to say, well, I bought Crest, but that's because I only get one cavity, right? And you ask them, you take a look at what kind of clothes they're wearing. You say, well, I, I wear Patagonia, but that's because I care about the environment. Well, you know what? All the things you do, the hat <laughs> you're wearing, the car you're driving, the clothes you're wearing, you bought it because someone marketed it to you. They marketed it to you with a story, and the story resonated with you. And the th- the premium that you paid, because we pay a premium for everything in our lives, the premium you paid was worth it because the story was worth more than the price. So here we are with free music for everyone. If you've got a smartphone, music is free. So what are you gonna pay for? You're only gonna pay for something that's worth more than it costs. Well, what makes it worth more than it costs? Well, it might be that going to the concert with your friends is worth more than staying home. It might be that buying an Amanda Palmer record and knowing that you are supporting Amanda's mission is worth more than listening to it for free. And go down the list. That is essential because we don't have a music shortage anymore. That if your music group disappeared, almost no one would miss it because there are so many substitutes. So the question is, what could you build that would be missed? I had on my car until I had to get rid of it a bumper sticker that said i miss jerry well how many people are going to get a bumper sticker that says i miss you when you stop doing your work cuz if they're not going to miss you they're not going to pay you
0: well you know and, and it seems like what that's leading to is what the music industry is really latched onto experience yeah it, you know you're no longer we jay and i had a whole episode about this you're no longer selling music you're selling some experience with that music that that music brings you that you can you can enjoy and you need to think along those terms it's no longer it's no longer th- this is not what people want to buy anymore yeah they, they want to buy something else around this and that's the challenge that <clears throat> musicians have to to put the time and effort into is what else can you sell great you recorded the best album in the world in your mind as you just said if it never gets released, no one's really going to miss it. But what can you do above and beyond?
2: So now we, so now we get to the seven-word mantra that is the heart of what marketing is today. And the seven words are, people like us do things like this. So again, we're back to Jerry. People like us go to shows like this. People like us know expressions like this. People like us wear clothes like this. And when you think about, you know, Uh, Jay how many copies did that Nirvana record behind yourself 5 million 50 million 20 million so let's say it's 10 million of the 10 million people who bought it only 100,000 bought it because they loved the music everyone else bought it because people like them were buying albums like this that's what it is that's what culture means culture means we do this together not all 6 billion of us but my circle this is what my circle does And all you got to do is go to any public event and notice that almost everyone's wearing exactly the same clothes, right? There's no one in a tuxedo and there's no one in a prom dress. They're wearing the same. They spend a lot of time thinking about how to fit in. People like us do things like this. And the magic of rock and roll for my entire lifetime is that some untutored, uneducated 17-year-old can change the culture by saying, yeah, and now people like us, we're going to do something like this. And it works that's incredible. Yeah,
1: we also think that in music marketing these days that immersive experience is so important that Michael touched on, but also the narrative. You know, there's so many artists out, so many different genres as you stated. I mean, you go to Spotify, they have 40 million songs and they're adding 2 million a month. Yeah. I mean, holy cow. Who can keep up with that, right? And I think that one of the ways that artists now can differentiate themselves besides that immersive experience is to have a good narrative because then it touches on what you're talking about because you identify oh well these people have suffered adversity i've suffered adversity i get them you know that sort of thing and i counsel artists when they have a new record coming out don't just promote the fact you've got a new show and a new record why should anybody care that's right
2: you know the, the thing is that nina simone Uh, who sold more records the last 10 years of her life than almost any artist on the planet, didn't fit into a category, and critics hated that. And Nina Simone uh, touched people in a way that no artist had. She went places that others didn't go. That's the opposite of what they teach you at insecure teenager school, right? In insecure (laughs) teenager school, what you're supposed to do is be just like everyone else, but a little bit better. And that's not what Nina did. And name your favorite music icon. That's not what they did either. So why are you doing that? It's because you're afraid. And if you're really afraid, get out of the music business because it's just not worth it. Yeah. Michael, I, we lost you for a second. I, I, back?
0: I saw my video. My video is froze. There we go. There well,
2: we one go. of maybe, the things you, you talked about. Maybe you were just standing still. Exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> 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 one of the things, Seth, that, that I really loved about the, the Ted, TED Talk you had said something about like, you know, like being remarkable, you know, like setting yourself instead of being the middle of that curve, you know, be on the edges. And I think that kind of touches on what you're talking about here too, because it's like, it's difficult to do that. It's scary to do that. It's much safer and much more
2: comfortable to be in the middle of that bell curve, right? No, it's not. It just feels safer. It isn't safer, but it feels safer. Well, talk a
1: little bit about that because
2: I think that has some
1: direct correlation to artists musicians labels distribution companies managers that that kind of that bell curve and that maybe faux safety in
2: the middle right you know so think about a flea market think about the t-shirt salesman outside the, the garden think about uh the fast food places on the road well if there are 30 fast food places all of them selling a burger and fries and there's one place that's a vegan raw restaurant who's doing better well, if it was one against one, the hamburger place would win every time. But 30 against one, they're all averaging each other out because they're replaceable cogs in a giant system. But that one singular place, there's a shot that she's going to have a line out the door. And go, you know, go down the list. If you think about what does it mean to be Elvis Costello, Elvis Costello is as gifted as 500 people competed with him. But they were all over here and he was all the way over here, Right that Lyle Lovett sold out the beacon last week. Lyle Lovett doesn't fit in any box that any A&R person was looking for. But all the people who fit in the box, they're not even playing the beacon, never mind selling it out, because he's the one and only Lyle Lovett. And so after you see the one and only Lyle Lovett, you tell other people, because he's the guy who does that thing. You can't be the next Lyle Lovett, because there already is one. And so we can go down the list that I can't yeah. tell you. It's very flattering to me, but there are hundreds of people who are trying to be me, blogging the way that I blog, writing the way that I write. Sorry guys, it's too late. I have several thousand blog head start. I'm not stopping. You should be you because I'm already being me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you you talk about Lyle Lovett, you know, he maybe was marketed by MCA back in the day as country, but he certainly wasn't a true country. He had a big band for Christ's sake. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's like a comedian musician. I mean, and you talk about Elvis Costello. I love those kinds of artists. You know, the, the people that may not be the most popular, but they rise above the clutter. You know, we talk about bands like, you know, the rock group kiss say what you will about them, but they, they've made an entire career out of going down their own path. Are there people in business, not necessarily music, but people in marketing that you think are doing it right?
2: Well, every time I mention someone who's doing it right, they go out of business. So I have to be careful.
0: <laughs> well, don't mention my name.
2: <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, you know, it begins with this. If you signed up to be the mass market leader, then by my definitions, you are not doing it right. So Heinz Ketchup got lucky. And Heinz, if they're smart, will keep getting lucky because people want the real thing. But that's not aspirational. You can't go do that. So for me, it's always about the people who had the guts to be human to go around the edges to say, I made this. I stand for this. Now, sometimes one of those people will also get lucky and then move to the middle, right? So Paul Newman, for a while, the number one salad dressing in America was Paul Newman's Italian dressing, made by an actor who gave 100% of his profit to charity, who didn't do any of the things you were supposed to do. He intentionally made a quirky product for edge case people, and it moved its way to the middle because other people heard about it. Right? That is the path. That's the path that I went down. That's the path my heroes have gone down. That the nonprofits that we care about, that the politicians that we care about, that's how you do it. You start for the weird you figure out how to delight them, how to become remarkable, how to be tribal, and then over time, if you're lucky, you'll move to the middle. If you're not lucky, go make something else.
0: So, Seth, Seth, you know, as you were describing that, I'm I'm imagining: did he did Paul Newman's dressing really move to the middle, or did the rest of the market move to where he was, and all of a sudden he became the middle of that mass?
2: No, he he. What happens is people like us do things like this. So. You, the the weird person like me buys it when it's new because I buy things that are new. Right. And then I have a barbecue and people come over and they say, what's that? And I can have a whole conversation. The kids, can't, kids with cancer are going to summer camp because I bought the salad dressing. So now the boring person who wasn't paying attention and had been buying Wishbone for 20 years goes and buys Newman's stuff because it's both fun, interesting, and it's also safe because Paul Newman is safe and because the story is safe and they heard it from me. So it moved its way all the way into the wishbone territory. It's not that the wishbone buyer is suddenly an interesting person who cares about kids with cancer. It's that people like us are buying dressing like this.
0: So when when that happens to you, you as a product, a musician or whatever, do you need to do something to get out of the middle or do you stick to your guns and stay true to yourself?
2: Right. So this is the dilemma and we have seen musicians – fall apart with their second or third record because they fall in love with being in the middle, right? They fall in love with being that flavor, and they try to replicate it.
0: The success.
2: Yes, and the musicians that we really respect, the Joni Mitchells of the world who turns around and makes Jira, the people who confound their fans. Bob Dylan gets booed off stage by going electric, then he gets booed off stage again by going gospel, and then he gets booed off stage again, Right. That act Beatles. is what makes you an yeah. artist, right? And you turn your back on the people in the middle who embraced you. And so, what I, you know, I made the decision 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I'm not going to write the permission marketing handbook. I'm not going to write Purple Cow Volume 2. And I'm not going to dumb down my work to get to the middle. I don't want any mo- new readers. If I get them, that's fine. But I'm not writing for them. I have enough. I'm writing for the people I got. That's hard to do if you're a public company. It's hard to do if you're trying to maximize. But when you do that, you know, then you're the Bay City Rollers. The Bay City Rollers went away because they kept trying to be the Bay City Rollers again when that was just a fluke. Right.
0: One of the things I wanted to kind of pick your brain about is, you know, musicians always think about, I've got to market my product the album the CD the single the t-shirt or whatever but there's a difference between marketing a product and remembering to market yourself market the musician market the band because and and where I'm getting to is you know the very old analogy people wanna buy you before they buy your product they want to get to know what you're about what 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 drives you how do I connect to you is you know what? What's your feelings I, I wanna,
2: on that? I want to I decode that a little bit because I'm not sure that that's the most useful way into it. Uh, most people, as we said, who are listening are doing it because everyone else is doing it. Most people who are talking about it are talking about it because everyone else is talking about it. So there's a much smaller group in there the the powerful sneezers, the people. Who are the you know the, the patient zero of spreading these ideas, they want the narrative, right? So the masses, their question is who else is going? Who else is gonna be there tonight? I'll decide if I'm going if other people are going. You've got to figure out how to create that environment by being the dominant one in the smallest possible market. That if you can win at a high school or win at a zip code or win in a county the odds of we're all going because everyone else is going go up. Right. So, you know, I grew up with Spyro Gyra and Buffalo, New York, 1975, 77. They were the biggest jazz act in Buffalo, which doesn't sound like it's worth very much, but it was worth enough because the few jazz fans all found each other. And we went together to the trough to see them. And, That is what the musicians forget to do because they're in such a hurry to get on the tour bus. They're in such a hurry to go on the radio. They forget to mirror back to people. People like us were doing things like this. So I don't think it was Justin Bieber's story that got you know, 10 million teenage girls into it. I think it was the first 300,000 teenage girls that got the next 600,000 teenage girls into it. How does Scooter create that mirror effect So it amplifies its way up. That's what a marketer can do. Should there be a story at the center like a droop has a pit? Of course. And it needs to be authentic so you can live it, right? Now, authenticity, I'm ranting here, but authenticity doesn't (laughs) mean that the KISS guys were born with makeup on. That's not who they really were. Authenticity just means consistent. If you're willing to wear the makeup all the time, if you're willing to live the story all the time, then you have some real substance to the center of the story. But for me in pop culture, however you define it, it's how do you get that dorm to all love this music? Because they're going to love it more because their friends are loving it.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we touched on this a while back that people will ask, well, how do I, you know, further my career? How do I sell more, stream more, put more butts in the seats? And one of the answers, you know, we got from a guest was, you know, the best thing to do is to have a lineup around the block for your show, you know, because that speaks volumes. It's real. And it comes back to the, the what you mentioned, you know, people like us, right? You want to be a part of that event. You want to be a part of that crowd. You identify with that crowd. Pretty soon, you know you're waiting in line for an iPhone. Well, why are you waiting in line for an iPhone? Well, that's a community. Those are people, you know if you if you've never done that, you don't fully understand that it's that's people like us. Yeah, (laughs) right. And it transcends the brand. And I think when you're talking about artists, they try to run before they can walk. You were talking about, you know, making sure that you've got things buttoned down at home and that you're driving, you know, your career at home and building that audience and getting those, you know, that line around the block. I think people miss that sometimes because they're trying to go so far so fast. But how do some of these artists get to that level? They Get the butts in the seats.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. The jazz clubs of the world have pretty much uh, nullified any advantage that they had by creating this environment you go to that feels sterile now and not connected. That when you go to the Blue Note, you don't feel like you're a regular, that it's transient, and
1: well, we'll talk it, about that for a second, Seth, because, like, you know, you go to the Village Vanguard or something right. like that. What What would be – what's that experience where you'd feel like the local bar or that you feel like you belong
2: or – Right. So you go, you, you go to see Cyril Mae, mm-hmm. and she remembers me. She's – oh, you know, it's just, just that little thing. That's all you need? Oh, and then the three people I brought with me like, whoa. Wow, you know the right. artists. and. Should she have to do that to sing the way she sings? No, but is that how she's going to build what she needs to build? I think so. So then the question is, well, how does the institution itself, the venue, make it so that I want to go back? Well, where's the preferred customer line? And when I come back, where's the person who remembers me from last time? And why are the tables set up in a way that you can't see or talk to each other, right? They think all these things, whereas when you went to the stone in their old location on First Avenue and First Street, it was just folding plastic chairs in this unadorned room. And it was 20 bucks at the door. But every single time I went, I felt like I was doing something special and that they weren't doing me a favor in the sense that um, they were begrudging me being there, that we were together. And even though I didn't know anybody's name, people like us were there and I can't bring many friends there because my friends aren't people like us in that setting, but that's okay. And so when we, the magic of the internet is you don't need to worry about Madison square garden ever again. Like great. Billy Dole can sell it out. Big deal. What matters is those 10,000 people on your list. How many of them open an email when you send it to them? Those 10,000 people on your list. If you didn't send an email, how many would send you a note saying, wait, I haven't heard from you. What's wrong? That asset works for musicians, and it also works for financial planners and everyone in between. And we're forgetting to build that asset because we think our real job is to lay some more samples onto some beat.
0: You know, <laughs> what what, I, what I've discovered over the years is, is one of the, the biggest things a fan wants more than anything from their artist is simple recognition. Yep. I want to be recognized for liking you for being your fan for being your supporter. I, you know, you don't have to give me free tickets, you don't have to give me anything. But you know, in the day of the internet now, say thank you on my post on Facebook. Thumb like just it. like it. Just like it. To me as a fan, that means, oh my god, you saw my post. And That's and right. and I and I've watched I watched clients on Twitter who they're like, "Oh, you know, I want to be very selective of who I follow back on Twitter." And I'm like, No, follow every fan who follows you back, because I would show them. i go, look at the tweet that person just sent out. Oh, my God, so-and-so just followed me on Twitter. This is the best day of my life. And I said, you see that? (laughs) That person's your fan forever. it costs you nothing. And that costs you nothing other than a follow-back. So a lot of times, it's the simple things that people forget can get the most for you you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars and do elaborate promotional campaigns like you said go out and greet your fan and say hi thanks for coming
2: yeah Whoa. And part, part of the problem here is you might not be that good a musician and it's really easy to get hung up on so much of this other stuff to cover up the fact that deep down you realize it would be better if you were a better musician. And being a better musician doesn't mean playing the notes in tune. It means being able to bring something to the market, to the stage, that people are going to remember. Right. And all the smoke machines in the world aren't going to help if you can't find the guts to bring something special to the stage. Right. A good example of that is you know
1: you and I both like music by incredible musicians i mean Cyril Ame's band i mean they're amazing but i also like the ramones you know and they're three guys in leather jackets but when i was a teenager i wanted to be like them you know yeah. i saw the the cover of that album it was like i want to be like that it was aspirational you know?
0: as a fan who still goes to concerts there is nothing cooler than being in an arena and and listen, I know the reality, but it still feels this way, that when the guy on the stage is not so wrapped up in his guitar and his finger's moving a mile a minute, but is up on the stage, looks over to my section, and does this.
2: Yeah. Now, granted,
0: he's pointing to 2,000 people, but I'm like, <laughs> me? You're pointing to me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you walk out of there, and that's a little—that's that little recognition, that's little connection. That's the thing that—that that I think a lot of musicians forget what it's like to be a fan.
2: Yeah, and maybe they never were because they're too uh, jaundiced by the machinery of the whole thing. You know, so I, I guess where I come around as we complete the circle is this is a privilege. It's a privilege to write, and it's a privilege to sing. That something magical happens when a group of people are in sync to your beat or to your words. And don't get hung up on some billboard list that's easily gamed. And don't get hung up on, you know, who likes you today and who doesn't. Understand, this is a gift you get to give. And you don't get to give it for very long. And if you can give it without reserve, without a comeback, just here, I made this. The more you get to do that, the better our culture becomes. Amen.
0: Amen. So, Seth, where can, where can our listeners and viewers find you on the internet?
2: Well, if you type Seth into Google, um, there I am. Uh, I do run something called the Marketing Seminar. We're going to run it again in January. And if I was a musician trying to build my career, I think the Marketing Seminar would be 100 days well spent.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Seth, this was, I mean, this was just an honor. This was a great conversation. Great Thank you both. Thrilled
1: that you joined us, Seth. Thank you so much. I really I appreciate, appreciate it. it.
2: Take care, take care, sir
0: Bye bye. Bye. Um loved it. Loved it. You know, yeah. I-, I could sit here and 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 pick his brain for hours on, on like every topic. Thing. And it's and it's yeah. like I mentioned earlier, it's refreshing because he's not necessarily coming at this, well, here's the latest music marketing trick and technique no, it's, and tools. it's beyond that it's, it's 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 the bigger concept and it's like yeah take this stuff and apply it to what you're doing yeah
1: and it doesn't have to be about music like i was telling you there's there's a ted talk you go onto youtube and look for um seth godin look he has a ted talk called how to get your ideas to spread and the basic underlying message is be remarkable don't be a follower Find your own path. Be different. It's okay to be different. You know, celebrate that. That's what's going to get you noticed. That's going to make you rise above the clutter. And as I was watching this TED talk, it's only like 17 minutes long. Um, everything seemed to be about music, even though it wasn't. All right? You was sitting here going, "Well, pop. gee, that
0: applies to this, this, exactly. this, this, this."
1: Yeah. Yeah that yeah. was just uh, I was so thrilled to ha- that he joined us and I thought the conversation was was awesome. Um he just has a a way of putting things that put these light bulbs in your head like you know he mentioned you know people like us do things like this and that's exactly right. You know when you and I follow you know a certain band that crowd we're part of that community part of the we're part army. of that family that's exactly right. It's an army you know? of
0: fans that that you yeah, just bond. and you identify with that. Yeah.
1: And yeah, it's you need to check out some of his books. he's, he's got lots of great books out. Uh, they're very different, um, but uh, he talks about interruption marketing and his concept of being a purple cow is exactly what we were just talking about. You know, of just being remarkable being different standing apart yeah yeah don't Great don't, conversation. don't
0: don't don't try and recreate what the best band in your town is already doing because yeah. they're already there
1: don't be an imitator
0: be yourself it, it's always what it comes down to be yourself that's what people authentic. want that's what people want to sign that's what people want to buy records for i want to buy you want to support what is unique individual is real yeah, not a copy not a absolutely. copycat yeah. um awesome so there you go, go everybody. Go,
1: go visit HypeBot. Check go out visit the latest Hypebot music again.
0: News. Yep. Yeah. You should be visiting it every day. Yes. Um, I do. Yep. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We are out of here. We'll see you next week.